Yo, what up? It's your boy Owen J.J. Stone, a.k.a. O-Doctor. It's Monday, somewhere in the Batcave, somewhere around the world. It is, uh, what date? It doesn't matter. What episode? I think it's 13 or 14. I'll clarify that in the notes. Um, I just left a riveting basketball game. I was running late, and I left it because I got to squeeze in some time with someone that I was very interested in talking to. Uh, someone who technically is yet to be like a real friend. Usually I have people I interview or friends that I know of, but this person I don't know. So the information I'm going to get is the same information you're going to get. Say hello to the people, Phil. Hello, people. So normally I go into a rant and I explain about who you are and what you do and your importance to the world. We're going to skip all that because people could read it. They could Google you because for this time period, I just want to talk about, first off, um, how you doing, Phil? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. How was your weekend? Uh, you know, it's, it was pretty good. I, I avoided most of the Super Bowl activities and I did all sorts <laughs> of geeky stuff. I wish I avoided Super Bowl activities because, again, two teams I could care less about that matter nothing to me have my emotions going up and down. So I am wholeheartedly wishing I was with you in the non-Super Bowl excursion of life um, as far as that's concerned. Um, we were on Twitter, I guess it was like a week or two ago. Yeah. And normally for me, I usually not freak out, but... I'm very passionate about things, and you seem very calm about things, and I appreciated that so much that it calmed me down, which is very <laughs> rare for an individual to do, so that's why I wanted to take some time to talk to you and find out how your things are in the world. First of all, let's talk about this fasting thing. How's that working out for you? Well, good so far. Uh, you know, I'm not an expert at it, so I'm kind of hesitant to, to give people advice, but for me, it's been you know, kind of miraculous. We'll skip the advice because I don't want anybody else following your lead on this, but we'll stick to it working out for you and what has worked out for you. How long have you been doing it? Uh, so about five months and I've lost about, uh, I think about 58 pounds wow. in five months. Uh, and actually on Friday I had a big milestone. I, uh, I weighed less than 200 pounds for the first time since high school. Uh, literally. That's I'm nice. Like, I'm 45. And I haven't been this skinny since I was 17. Oh, wow. Uh, so, so, yeah. I, yeah. I almost feel bad about that because the last time I was sub 200 was high school, too. I was wrestling. So I know exactly what my weight was when I was coming out of high school. Um, so when you're fasting, what kind of fasting are you doing? Are you – is it an on-off schedule? Like, what's your schedule that you're doing so, it with? I've been experimenting with lots of different things. Uh, what I'm doing now uh, is just something I've invented and it's just seeing how much fun it is. Uh uh, it's just random. So I literally like don't want to know what I'm going to do. I kind of don't want my body used to anything. So I actually roll a 20-sided die in the morning, and that tells me whether I'm eating or not and how much. Uh, but I've only been doing that for like a week, and I'm just experimenting with lots of different things. So I've gone as long as six days without eating anything, and sometimes I just skip a day, sometimes I skip meals. I just try to like really mix it up and be random about it. What did you do for six days without eating food? Didn't you lose your mind? Well, you know, the hardest part is actually just the, just the boredom, right? Like, I realized that, uh, uh, you know, eating is like this pretty pleasant thing that, you, that I used to do on a very regular basis. So it's like it uh, breaks up the day, gives you milestones to look forward to. And when I wasn't eating, I, I, it was almost like scary because I thought like, man, what am I going to do? Like, I don't have any, I don't have these like particular speed bumps in the day to look forward to. But, uh, you know, plenty of things to do to fill my time. Uh, so it was actually pretty easy. After the first day or two, it's, it wasn't hard at all. So... <clears throat> If you haven't heard the twit, uh, I I appreciate the fact that when I was making my statements, you never took them personally. 
Normally in conversation, people think like if you say you're fasting and I say, oh, rich people fasting are crazy. I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm talking about the general concept of the concept. Um, and I expressed about how when I was younger, there were certain times in my life where I didn't have money or food. And I got a whole bunch. Of, I got like three emails and a couple of DMs. Like, I don't need anybody to feel bad for me. It was a time in my life where I didn't have. And I appreciate those times because when you do have, it makes you realize, you know, what you have going on. So it's when you say after two days, you don't think about it. I remember times like that where your body adjusts and you don't think about it. Now, if I go, a, like I, I'll go a day or so, maybe a day and a half without eating. But once my stomach starts rumbling, the way my brain works is like, well, you haven't eaten. You didn't eat since yesterday. You need to go eat food. It's never right. you're fine, which at the time I probably am fine. It's just once that my body starts making those signals, I don't ignore it. I just go and suffer it and stuff it and put it back in its system. So yeah. it's always well, you interesting know, when someone as an adult makes that decision, how you just get past it. Yeah. And I think there's a huge difference between like choosing too fast and not having enough food to eat. Yeah. Like, those are radically different things. Of course, it's like a great luxury to be able to fast. Uh, it's there's nothing, nothing comparable at all. Now, like I, I was never hungry growing up. I, uh, you know, we were actually pretty poor. We grew, I grew up on food stamps uh, in the Bronx. Uh, we always had enough to eat, but you know, not like was never luxurious. And uh, yeah, the fact that now I can kind of decide, uh, you know, I'm not going to eat for six days, or I'm only going to eat paleo or whatever. It's obviously a privilege uh, and a benefit. And uh, I almost think that like making an explicit decision to deprive yourself of something is in some ways like the most ridiculous form of luxury because you can have whatever you want. You just decide you don't want it. So yeah. Uh, I'm definitely with you on that. So when, even when I think of that, too, at the same time, I feel like, wow, at least he's a pr- uh, not he's preaching. He can appreciate what it's like not to eat. So when I made the statement of, again, not you per se, but because you know, yeah. I, I, I'm friends with Kevin. So I'm like, I see people fast. And I'm like, you got so much money. Just stop. Fat- OK, give this money to poor people and feed them if you're not going to eat food, which that's not a real correlation to it. But even still, you instantly thought like, oh, well, that's a good idea in some form or respect. Because, yeah. yes, if I'm not making a meal, maybe there's something I can do. Because you understand that that correlation of, hey, again, I'm taking myself out of this system, but there are people who have to deal with it. And that kind of compassion is, again, why I just want to express to you that I will, I'm never attacking you when I say those things. Because I understand. Same thing when people juice or whatever. Sometimes it's just good to clear out your system. And the best thing I think about fasting is um, deprogramming your mind from sugar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, because even when I juice, because I've done juice cleanses, and I can't, after the third or fourth day, I just want to jump out of a window and eat a cake. But right. I do have more energy. I feel better. But it's just like I, that that thing just calls in the back of my mind. So when you're fasting, to be able to break that is just tremendous because that is like, uh, you know, not to compare things to real drugs, but that's like the one drug that's legal that I think is really destroying yeah. the American people, especially with their diet and all the sugar they put in their food. I think um, it's a totally good idea to, to give the uh, money uh, to people that actually don't have enough to eat. Uh, in fact, that since you said that on Twitter, uh, well, you know, I, I keep track of how many days I fast anyway. So my plan now is just to like keep track of how many days I fast, and at the end of the year, I'm going to figure out how much money I would have spent on food in those days, and I'll donate that amount to a food bank or something. I have to find the right charity. But yeah, I think that's a great that's a great idea. Uh, yeah. Kind of makes me like more excited even to do it. So like it's probably good for helping me like keep me on this regimen that those are also good goals when you want to give something to someone else it keeps you on track and it gives you like you said a goal something to focus on yeah um so you lost 58 pounds what were you doing before that like were you 
Did, did you just say, well, I want to lose weight one day? Or was it just you saw other people doing it and you thought, let me try it? Yeah, basically. Uh, you know, I've tried losing weight before. I did like Atkins years ago and then like paleo. And I was always able to lose like 15 pounds, 20 pounds. Like I once even lost like 35 pounds by just like working out like crazy and, you know, dieting. But it always came back within like three months. Uh, and um, what I kind of told myself was uh, – I'm not really going to care too much about my health until I turn 45. It's a really stupid thing to think, but that's just kind of what I told myself. I never really, I kind of never believed that I would actually ever be 45. <laughs> but when I was like 20, I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't care. When I'm, when I'm 45, I'm going to start taking all this stuff seriously. So I've been like telling myself this for like 25 years. And I finally turned 45 and I was like, shit, like I'm never going to believe myself if I don't actually like take it seriously. So I was motivated to, to do something and it's sticking so far. But again, I don't want to make a big deal out of it. I'm not an expert. I just did a bunch of research and it works great for me. And I get that's what I said from the beginning. I'm not nobody taking your advice. Nobody's listening to you. Yeah. I suggest Good. everybody eat food. Um, and if you're not eating food, then uh, do what he's doing and, and find some other better way to do it. But um, <laughs> as far as like the 45 thing, it's funny you said, I keep telling myself things like I'm like, oh, I'm going to retire 45 because I think yeah. I might check out around 56 maybe push it to 60. So if I get out of if I get retired 45, I get on an island and enjoy myself. Um, Good goal. It, it is a good goal. And if, and if I do live to be 80, I'll, I'll retire early and I'll be able to enjoy it. So either way, it works out. Um, you're talking about growing up in the Bronx. Where did you go to high school at? I went to Bronx Science. Um, it was, uh, you know, big nerd school in New York City. It was one of those magnet schools. So it's a public school, but it was, uh, you know, selective admission. You had to take, pass a test to get in. There was three of them in New York, uh, Bronx Science, Brooklyn Tech, and Stuyvesant. And uh, it was great. I mean, I didn't realize how lucky I was that I got into it because, like, if I hadn't you know, I wouldn't wasn't able to afford going to any school. So if I hadn't been able to get into Bronx Science, uh, probably would have had a totally different life trajectory. So I'm, it was a pretty good stroke of luck. It was a great school, and and you know, I uh, I went back about five years ago. I hadn't been back in, in forever, and they invited me to come back and like speak, and I kind of did that and like helped them out with a couple of things. And super fun to uh, to be back in uh, in high school after whatever twenty twenty five years. Uh, kind of amazing how like small everything seemed like. I guess when I'm you're, just... Yeah, when you're a kid, it feels big. Like I was just, I, I ran, my daughter had a basketball game. They rescheduled it. The ref right. didn't show up. I saw 10 minutes of the game before I shot over here to catch up with you. I was so annoyed. But even when you're in the school, it just seems so small to me. But right. to her, it's so big. And I told her, I was like, man, yeah. this school is small. And then she gets in high school. She's like, oh, the high school is so big. And I'm like, eh, it's kind of small. Like to me, high school is small. The, the elementary school is even tiny. So it does play a trick on your mind and memory because you're growing. Do you remember what your favorite teacher was? I do remember. I actually had a couple uh, uh, who I really liked. Uh, none of them are in the school anymore. Uh, but I had a I had a history teacher that I really liked, and uh, probably my favorite was an English teacher, uh, Mr. Levy, uh, who was great. He was kind of a hippie nerd English teacher, bohemian guy. And uh, back when I was in high school, like I was going through like a Alex P. Keaton, you know, family ties period. So I was like a little young conservative and I would like argue with this guy all the time. And I had no idea what I was talking about, but I was like very strident about being, you know, just like just like Alex P. Keaton on TV. No one listening to this has any idea what I'm talking about. It's this old 80s sitcom. Oh, man, I know what you're talking about. So somebody's going to know what you're talking about. We know. Right. And uh, and I remember Mr. Levy would always just like he would always win like every argument because I was actually pretty stupid. Uh, and there's just a great teacher in general. But I had a great I had a. We had an astronomy class. We had a planetarium in that school, which is kind what? of cool. Yeah. And then uh, computers, you know, like I uh, uh, had some great computer instructors. That sounds uh, it's like... It's an amazing place, Bronx Science. If anyone's in, like, in New York, like, 
it's super cool. It's like constantly threatened because, uh, you know, it's a public school. Uh, it has very little budget. Like, uh, it doesn't have an endowment. It, it basically gets more, it gets less money per student, I think, than a normal public school because there's no, like, there's no special ed there. So it's not, it's not as expensive, but they put out like dozens of Nobel laureates. Like it's kind of a crazy, like school for poor nerds, uh, <laughs> really amazing place. That's. I was trying to think of something to say like broke nerd heaven. It sounds yeah. like to me. It it, it really um, was. I think something like sixty or seventy percent of the student body there gets like the free lunches, like the subsidized lunch program. So it's definitely like a you know lower lower middle class school. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was just super lucky that I got to go there. I, I posted a picture uh, on Friday. I found a T-shirt from that school, from my high school. And so like when I hit my two hundred pounds, I like. Posted it before. Oh, is that what I, I think I saw that picture fly by? You had the side by side. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's fun. That's funny. Yeah. That's where that's from. Um, I also saw speaking of just your Twitter and pictures that refrigerator. I'm such a stupid kid. I saw you post a refrigerator. I guess you were in Japan, maybe. Yeah, yeah. This was like a year and a half ago. And uh, the, the refrigerator, if you're uh, not that I can show it to you, but I might show it to you in a video. But the refrigerator door opens, the freezer opens up on both sides. So no matter which yeah. way you open it, like, do you know how, like, when you're sitting at your desk and you have to, like, if you have a mini fridge or something, you have to position it in the right side or angle? If I could have a fridge that opened from both sides, we're living great. in the future. Magic, man. I mean, and then uh, I found, uh, you know, the, the app that I used to, like, make that little song is called Diddy, which I just found randomly. I don't know if you'd, like, if you know about it, but, like, you know, it's... Cool. You know how the internet works. The internet works in ways where it freaks me out. So I do. I did notice you saw that you had Diddy. I downloaded Diddy just to see what it was because I'd never seen it before. That night, I saw seven other people post. I think Leo used it. Somebody else used it. like it's just how quick it is from non-existent in my brain to oh, let me download this and now I just see people using it. Uh, yeah, it is a pretty old, cool little app. Um, there are so many in the world right yeah. now. It's uh, it's it's a hard business to get into. Um, I want to make an app right now, and my my big thing now before I even try to get a, like MVP made is just to make sure that no one else is doing it, and then if they are doing it, to make sure that I can offer something different uh, right. or additional to what they're doing, um, so I don't kill my dream per se. I wouldn't worry about other people doing it. I think uh, you know it really comes down to the execution. Like any good idea is going to have dozens of like people doing it. You, like you just have to be really good. Like you know when we started Evernote, there was like was already like 20 free note-taking apps on every platform it's not like we yeah that's true good good example oh speaking of evernote and me turning off my phone from dinging i'm getting basketball score updates nice. um, they're they're playing the team that they lost to they're seven and one they only lost to one team so this is their rematch game so it's semi-important to the kids because whatever they're kids and they're crazy um yeah how long were you uh, at evernote uh about nine years so we started it in uh 2007 and then uh i stepped down as ceo in 2015 and then i resigned as the chairman uh a few months ago so we have about nine years do you miss it is life, is life new adventures good yeah i mean well both right i i, I miss it a lot i mean it's nine years of my of your life and when you're running a company it's like by far the most important emotional connection you have and so uh separating from that even if you're doing it because you know you want to. It's still like obviously super hard and super weird, uh, and the people are great. Although I have, I have an opportunity to work with a bunch of people from Evernote again, so that's great. But uh, you know, new life is uh, is really fun too. Good. That's always uh, when you leave something. It's it's one of those things where it's either like I miss it or I hated it anyway, and I'm out. So <laughs> either way, it seems like you loved it enough because I could tell people lying. So I believe you. 
where you say that you enjoyed your time there. Um, what uh, is there anything fun that you're working on right now? Well, you know, a, a ton of things. Uh, I'm actually spinning up a couple of new things um, over the next couple of months. So uh, there should be a lot of fun stuff. I've been, you know, I've been a VC at General Catalyst for about a year and a half. Uh, and it's really interesting, very educational, like how to think like an investor, not just an entrepreneur. But I kind of miss some of the hands-on work. So I'm actually putting a new structure together where I can, I can play around with some stuff hands-on as well as do investing. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So, yeah, so I've got... We've got some good ideas. I've got some ideas. My friends have some ideas. We're going to be cooking some stuff up. One of them I mentioned briefly on, on Twitter is uh, uh, we're going to make a run at uh, maybe helping a little bit with, you know, media bias, information bubbles, how everyone is like in their own little pockets and, you know, can't make connections with people who, who think differently. We're going to like try to see if we can make a small dent in that through uh, a couple of products and a few other things we'll be working on. It's a little bit too early to say anything right now, but hopefully in the next few months it'll be yeah. cool. I'm not, I'm not Leo. I'm not going to pry into your brain on that kind of stuff. I know how it goes when you're working on stuff and <clears throat> you can't say anything about it. No matter how many times somebody asks you, it's like, look, just listen to me. In the future, I will surely tell you when something's about to pop off. But the as far as the media is concerned, since you touched on that, this is – people have such a problem right now with, quote, unquote, fake news, alternative news, media. Right. And the thing that bothers me the most is – they are hating the delivery system of the content. And no matter what era or time you're in, people are going to use what's available in whichever way they choose to use it. Some, some people for positive, some people for negative, and it's up to us to weed things out. I know more so now than ever we're in a meme, microbyte information. But when I want to know something, I, I go look it up. And then sometimes I look it up twice because I really don't even trust Google the first time, you know, because – if you want the information, people will get it. The real issue isn't the media delivery system. It's what people want to consume. Right. And some people just don't. Their, their truth is different than your truth. And that's mm -hmm. what I was saying as far as, like, the bubble is concerned. You know, <clears throat> there are certain things where Silicon Valley is just off in Wonderland. And I tell Leo all the time, I'm like, look, here's how a, a stay-at-home mom uses this app. I don't know what you guys are doing or what you're projecting, but when I see regular Day-to-day -day people, like I said, I was just at a basketball game with people with regular jobs, teachers, mechanics, whatever, and I listen to how they use applications or how they use devices. And when I get on that show sometimes, it's totally different from listening to a tech writer tell me how a device is supposed to be used. And I'm like, well, who's in the majority? You guys sitting there making the stuff or the people that actually use it in the day-to-day -day function? And you got to take information from other places before you get a response. So... Anything you're doing with that that is uh, halfway decent. <laughs> no, we'll be, see. I hope so. Will be exciting uh, for the world as far as uh, consuming content. Um, I know in my general memory bank that you are not uh, a natively born American citizen. Is that correct? Yeah, I was actually a refugee from uh, what used to be the Soviet Union. Uh, came over with my mother in 1979. And, uh, hey, that's the year I was born. You came over on my birth year. Yay. Good year. I was eight. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good year. Uh, we got to got, – both of us got to come to the U.S. that year. How much do you remember before coming to America? Well, quite a lot. I mean, I was eight. You know, I think probably have decent memory for at least a few years. So I, w I went to school. You know, I went to first grade in, in, in Russia. And, uh, yeah, I remember growing up there, and I remember coming over. And I remember, like, the first time I went to a supermarket in America and how blown away it was. I kind of <laughs> did all, like, the stereotypical immigrant, you know, stuff. Uh, yeah. 
when, when I travel outside of the country, it always gets the supermarket is one of the coolest places. It sounds stupid to, to visit in another country. The first time I went to Germany and I saw how they handled food and processed food and the shapes of soda bottles and tea bottles. I was like, what? I felt like I was like on another planet, the way everything yeah. was. Even when things were written in English, it was just like, it's not supposed to be shaped like that. It's not supposed to look like that. And then the first time I went to China, it blew me away again. Went to, yeah. the, went to a market. I'm like, yo, like there's like fish crawling down the aisle. <laughs> People are just, you know, it's cool. Um, yeah. So that is a very interesting thing. Have you been yeah, back? Japan's the craziest, man. It, like, the stuff in Japan is nuts. Japan I mean. is like New York... China, and then like a gas bomb just exploded inside of itself. It's just a, it's so crazy and fast paced and blankety lights and an old world. Like it's a really unique place. Like we love it. Yeah. Um, I I only got to stay for uh like thirty six hours. I was on an extended layover. I missed my mm-hmm. layover on purpose so I could hang out. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, and plus I had no plans of getting back over. There. I was already on that twenty two hour flight to get there. So you might as well. Um, sneak in as much time as you can. Have you been back to the motherland? To Russia? Yeah, I used to go back uh, fairly often. Um, we had a we had a good office there, a good team there uh, at Evernote. Uh, but I haven't been back in probably three or four years. Um, yeah, it's kind of a weird place now. Uh, well, yeah, uh, Russia's not what you know. Russia might have been. I wasn't even talking about recently. I was going to talk about like when you were younger, because right now Russia is. That's the thing, too. I don't even dislike Russia. I don't have a problem with Russia. I've never been to Russia. When I look at it in movies, and it's usually probably sets and not really Russia, it looks like a beautiful place, a uh, very interesting place. There's beautiful parts of it, sure. The thing that cracks me up uh, about the scope of the world is how big Russia is. It's pretty big. Yeah. It's, Russia is fucking huge. <laughs> Russia is insanely huge. And when, you know, you talk to people, they have no concept or grasp. I'm like, how do you not, like, realize, like, how big Russia is? People are like, oh, Russia, we should just do this. To-. I'm like, who are you just going to – do you know how big Russia is? Like, you know, people kind of have a concept of how big China is because you always hear about the number of people that are in China. And, you know, they're stacked up. But people just don't really generally grasp um, Russia. And R- Russia's – it's a big place. I mean, pretty empty, most of it. Most of the population is in the big cities. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's cool. You should go. Uh, it's fun. It's definitely fun to see it, uh, you know, and it's there's all sorts of strangeness with the U.S. relationship with Russia right now, which, you know, I hope gets better. Uh, but uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting place. And, uh, you know, if you like that kind of food, it's, it's pretty great. Uh, I, I'm well, not. I, that's one of the cuisines I haven't. I don't, I don't even know, like, anything Russian. I've probably eaten some Russian. I can't even think of anything Russian that was, like, that's, like, Russian. Like, give me some Russian vodka. food. Vodka. Oh, well, I got plenty of Russia in my cabinets then. I've got, go. I got half of Russia that I need. Um, vodka I, and pills and stuff like that. And, yeah. Are you a drinker? You know, I don't. I, I uh, a little bit. Um, like not actually, drunk, but like, do you drink? <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going to put you under the bus. He's a drinker. This guy. I, I do drink. Um, I don't. I haven't. I've been drinking very little lately because when I'm fasting, I'm not uh, drinking. Oh, drinking and fat. Well, you'd be passed out in 30 seconds. Your body would be like, "What? What are you doing to me?" Yeah, I thought exactly. we were fasting here. Um, yeah. Do you, Do you have a preference for drink? I'm. I really like Japanese whiskey. So I like whiskey in general, and Japanese whiskey in particular. I'm afraid of whiskey. I don't okay. drink any kind of beer. I'm trying to learn to drink wine. I'm a vodka and rum guy uh, to my core and tequila sometimes if I don't care about what I have to do the next day. 
All um, solid choices. Yeah, whiskey is one of those things. I feel like I'm a, a child. I can't. I'm not grown enough to drink whiskey. Or I've well, got to find a good whiskey. You know, there's a technique. Um, seriously, there's like a there's a very simple technique for how to drink whiskey that'll make you appreciate it. If you if you've probably just been drinking it wrong the whole time. Tell me the technique. I will try it. Okay. Right. So first, you get a decent whiskey. You know, such could as be anything. not 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 Japanese. Just give me something else. Give me another one that's decent. Well, I mean, pretty much any like single malt scotch is going to be a good place to start. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a lot of them uh, at this point. I, I really like Highland Park. Um, you know, you get like a Highland Park 12 or 18 or something. I mean, you know, these are sort of mid to high end. Uh, but you can, you know, you can try with pretty much anything. Uh, okay. If you like something bulky, there's an Ardbeg 10, which is pretty good. Uh, lots of great Japanese whiskeys, too, that you can get. Japanese whiskey is like getting really popular. Uh, so I like the, the Hibiki Japanese Harmony is a very nice, easy one to start with. That sounds nice. Hibiki very nice. Harmony. Yeah, the Hibiki Harmony. You can get them at airports, you know, duty-free shops. So what you want to do is, um, you know, you want to smell it first before you taste it. Uh, that's really important. <coughs> when, you smell, when you smell it, you want to try to identify what you're smelling. Like, list off the ingredients. Actually say them out loud. Like, oh, I smell, you know, vanilla and orange peel and whatever. None of that stuff is in there, but you'll, you'll you get the smell. <laughs> Your mind will bring it forth. Um, but if you, and you should like say it because once you've like identified that, it'll kind of stick in your brain. Uh, and then when you've like figured out what it smells like, uh, taste it. But when you taste it, you want to take a sip and you want to just like take just enough to coat the top of your tongue and then don't swallow it. You have to like keep it on the top of your tongue and your tongue's going to start to burn. And this is like the crucial thing. This is the amateur mistake that everyone makes is you swallow it as soon as your tongue starts burning because you want to get rid of the burning, and then it burns your throat and you don't taste anything. So what you have to do is you have to let it burn in your tongue. And it's going to like burn more and more. It doesn't actually hurt you. Like It's not going to damage yeah. you. It's the alcohol. And it may take like 60 seconds for it to stop burning, but at some point it will totally stop burning. Like It'll just get like more and more and more and more burny, and then it'll go totally smooth and stop burning completely. And then you swallow it, and then you'll actually then you like inhale and you can you get all of the tastes like in your tongue, in the back of your mouth. And each time you take a sip, it's going to take shorter and shorter to stop burning until after a while, like it only burns for like a second or, or it doesn't burn at all. Um, so if you're, if you're swallowing it while it's still burning in your tongue, you're never going to appreciate it. But if you like wait it out and then swallow it, it's like a totally different experience. That is my whiskey tasting tip. See, now listen, I'm not going to go call people out. I'm not going to call people by name because that's embarrassing. But for all my friends that have, one, called me a bitch for not drinking whiskey, Two, have forced me to drink whiskey, telling me that this is the best whiskey ever. And three, did not tell me that this there is a tip or trick. Because what you just said, I don't know if it works or not, but at least it's something that offers me a chance to try and appreciate it. Because normally what happens is what you just said, I take it, I drink it, I'm like, no. <laughs> and I don't want to drink it anymore. And I get yep. looked at in a room full of men telling me, you're not a grown man and blow <laughs> that, that men drinking whiskey do. And I say to myself, I want to be like James Bond. I want to live the dream and sip slow and ask for a double malt with ice, not shaking, whatever. So now that I got that on tape, I will try that. And, uh, Let me know how it goes. Give it a whirl. It, what you're saying um, definitely makes sense because that is what happens. It, yeah. it's, it's such a strong, you know, the, the burning and just the flavor, it's just so strong. You know, and yeah. usually, again, when I'm when, the only time I've ever drank whiskey is it's been this is the top, you know, good whiskey, which, you know, sometimes the money they're spending. I'm like, wow, this has got to be good. But to me, I'm not 
taking it the right way, and my I don't have the build up for it, you know. So I have not been able to appreciate whiskey. I wish there was a trick like that for wine, because uh, that's not working out for me too well. I've tried the whole pairing thing, and I'm like, just let me eat my steak and be happy, because you're ruining my steak with yeah. this <laughs> sharp, dry wine, as it were. And I try not to drink that fruity stuff because I feel like that's just candy, and what's the point? It's um, true. So why do that? Um, so what's your favorite food, fasting aside? Oh, man, I mean, I, I love food. That's a really tough question. Uh, give, I honestly, give me two. Give me a meat and give me, like, a, a pasta or something. Like, what what is, like, your go-to? Well, my favorite cuisine is Japanese. Uh, I mean, I love all sorts of stuff, but yeah. probably Japanese. Uh, probably my all-time favorite meal to have is actually from Singapore, and it's breakfast. It's like a very traditional breakfast in Singapore. It's called kaya toast. It's really super bad for you because it's basically like very thick <laughs> cut toast with butter and then this like sweet coconut spread on top of it. And then you dip it in super runny eggs and you drink it with what they call pulled coffee, which is this coffee with milk in it that they pour over like six feet of air to get it to be like really like oxidized and called pulled coffee. So like really sweet kaya toast with butter, uh, dipped in runny egg with some coffee like first thing in the morning greatest thing in the world like i'm addicted to it that's got to be like if i had a last meal like i would say like go to singapore and bring back some kaya toast that sounds so good to me for some reason it's amazing it's really amazing that's the one thing i love one about international foods in general the way that they prep certain things sometimes the way it's presented to me just gets me happy about it before i even taste it so that all sounds some like something i've never seen before so now i'm super interested in it and i don't know if i'm going to get to singapore anytime soon but if i do or if i'm in new york and i can find a legit place that's usually yeah. how i cheat for things when someone tells me something that's around the world i'm like ah, i could probably find a place in new york somewhere that you probably get it in new york you have um, to get the problem with getting it in the U.S. is usually the eggs aren't as good because like supermarket eggs just aren't good. Yes. Uh, if you get like fresh eggs, you could probably get away with it. But like the eggs in in Asia are just better than the eggs than the supermarket eggs here. You have to go to farmers market to get like really good ones. So, just in general with that statement, it drives me crazy because um, I grew up. I spent a, a good portion of my younger years with my grandparents and they were farmers and stuff like that and when i tell people like there's a difference in like eggs when you get them or like right now i i get all my meat from the amish market i went to a local yeah i'm i'm, I'm one of those fat people that again since i was younger and I, there were certain times i didn't have food i eat very rich good food like i said i don't go to mcdonald's but like last week my daughter i made chicken alfredo with cream and butter and mm. parmesan cheese like i made it i make everything all fresh the problem is it's so good and i'm such a good cook that i eat two helpings here and then 12 o'clock at night i get up and i go pop a couple more pieces of the chicken down and that's my issue where as far as eating is concerned but i try not to eat fast food and junk like that because again when i try to explain to people i'm like you know the steroids and stuff that's in food <clears throat> and all the processed food you don't realize how bad it is and it sounds funny when people hear it come from me because i'm overweight so they're like oh whatever fat boy but i'm like look i went to the grocery store i guess two weeks ago to make dinner for this girl and she didn't i didn't have how much more close to me they're closed on certain days so i went to shop right about chicken i cooked this chicken i took a bite into this chicken and i'm like i can't eat this i'm just gonna eat the noodles and she's looking at me like this is great it's good now thanks for making it. i'm like well i'm just gonna eat the broccoli and the noodles and the sauce and she looked she's like what's wrong like i'm like no no if you think it's good you eat it but i eat 
Amish market chicken. Like this, this, this chicken is not real chicken. I can't eat this. And for like an hour, she's like, I need to taste this other chicken. I'm like, well, then you're going to need, you're going to be shopping somewhere else because once you eat it, once you have a steak that hasn't been injected with stuff and made to look pink, like when I come home, I either have to vacuum seal it and freeze it or I have to cook it because yep. two days from now, it's not going to look desirable. So you have to, yep. you know, it's just a difference in the food. And I wish all food was like that. You know, I'm paying a little bit more of a premium to have that food. But again, if I'm going to be a dinosaur, the least I could do is make sure that, you know, my eggs came from somewhere that's not been sitting on a shelf and sprayed with who knows what and whatever because of mass consumption. Um, that's true. So I did this um, I did this experiment years ago with food that was uh, pretty important uh, to kind of like how it turned out. I do, you know, I've always been interested in just sort of like, hacking my own brain understanding like why i think certain things i've got this theory that i call it, your brain is not your friend which is like <laughs> your brain is just like doing all sorts of crazy shit it's not looking out for your own best interest like That's you don't what, have to exactly think. what i meant about that sugar thing your brain's just up and they're like yo you need that you need that. no i don't yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so um i read this book years ago uh i think it was by jeffrey steingarten it was called uh, the man who ate everything this guy was a food critic and he describes this thing that he did and i was like oh i'm gonna totally do the same thing and it was like life-changing i made a list of all of the foods that i didn't like like everything that i thought like i don't like that i like i wrote it down this was like 15 years ago maybe even 20 by now and then every single day i forced myself to eat some version of something from that list and, and, I, and I was trying to understand like why do i think that i don't like this like where do you get off brain thinking that you don't like sardines there's like all these people that love sardines like what gives my brain the right to be like, nah, I don't like sardines. So I just like, I would eat something off that list every single day. And then whenever I would find something new that I didn't like, I would add it to the list. And the, my goal wasn't to start liking stuff. It was to understand like, why didn't I like it? And actually over time, like every single thing got crossed off the list. Like I wound up liking everything. Like there's not a single food that I know of right now that I like don't like like there's like poor versions of that food or obviously like if it's made badly or if it's just like low quality like that chicken it could be like nah I don't I don't like this yeah but there's no single like thing that I don't like and all it took was like trying to like eat it experience it have a different version and then try to understand like why don't I like this like why do I think I don't like it like I'm not allergic to it I just have this like arbitrary decision but why is that it was super interesting um and uh it's been years since I actually tried something that I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Whenever it used to happen, I used to get really excited because it's like another thing on the list and I get to like experiment with that for a while. But now I like everything. So, one, I'm laughing because there's like three levels to that story that you said on my side of a conscious level. So I'll tell you how it works through. I don't eat pickles. Why mm -hmm. do I not eat pickles? Because as a child, my father always took the pickles off of food. So since he, for whatever reason, didn't like pickles, I don't eat pickles. Case right. in point, a um, long time ago, I got shut down. I was We were out, and uh, I got McDonald's. I was like, oh, let me get a Big Mac. No pickles. And this woman, I guess, at that point, she was at She's like, so what do you mean no pickles? And I'm like, I always ask no pickles. Nobody's ever given me a problem. No pickles. She's like, you know the, the, the dressing that you ask for extra sauce on that has relish in it, which is pickles in it? And I'm like, I don't care. I said, <laughs> you know, my brain just didn't work. And that day, as I bit into it, I'm like, I guess I kind of like pickles because I like this sauce and I've been eating it. And again, I, again, not that I, uh, I've eaten enough Big Macs and I've asked for enough burgers in my life to say no pickles that I've been eating pickles all this time and didn't even know it. 
and yeah. I just didn't like it because I was pre-programmed by my father not to eat them. Um, sure. And secondly, as a, as a part of the second layer from your story, I have a thing of when I don't like food or I don't want to do it, if there's a female around and she asks me to eat something or try something, I will do it. I've gone on dates with vegans and, uh, uh, you know, tr world travel and people say do whatever. And I try because it's a woman and I don't want to look like a punk and I want to make her happy. And 60% of the time I end up liking it. The last thing is when in Rome. So yeah. when I was in China, when I was in like I ate when I was in Germany, I ate some kind of cheese that the guy fried on the grill and it didn't melt and it just turned into like some grilled block of cheese. And I'm thinking, how old is this cheese? I d and it was the girl I was with dad and I didn't want to embarrass him and I didn't want to embarrass him. So I bit into this cheese and it was like great. It was amazing. And I'm like, OK, yeah. he grilled it on grill for like 20 minutes and it didn't melt and I'm not dying. And it's amazing. Uh, yeah. when, I, when I was in China and you see fish eggs and frog legs and all that kind of stuff, you're like, uh, you know. You try it, and it's not half bad. You're like, here, you know, you just give it. I'm not bringing it home. I'm not cooking it at home, but when in Rome. So uh, I'm not, I don't have the strength that you have to make a list and do it. I, I need um, women and, and new adventures to push me forward as far as that's concerned. Because I've never had a sardine. And ladies, if, there's, if you're ever listening, I don't want you to offer me sardines. Please don't. Just let me get one thing that's still on my list forever. Um, but, yes, you are correct. People do love those things, and it is always weird. like <clears throat> I've had um, uh, pate, or somebody's like, "Oh, you ever, ever had escargot?" And I'm like, "I don't know who wants to eat that." Like, what? Good. Mm. See, see, good escargot is good. Yeah. It it yeah. wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was like, okay, people eat this. I yeah. It, like I said, it wasn't bad. So I was just like, you know. But again, that took me some talking into <laughs> to get to do it. Um, I think like it's good to have that kind of like broad mindedness to be able to say like I, I think I think a lot of people in things much more serious than food really privilege their own like opinions. They're like, well, I think this, therefore it's important. And I'm like, well, I think all sorts of random shit because my brain is just like doing random stuff. And I don't particularly like put my own opinions on a pedestal. I'm kind of like more interested in understanding them. And food is just a really easy sort of non-threatening way to do that. Uh, but it probably makes sense for all sorts of aspects of life. Uh, it most certainly does. The one thing I tell people all the time is I know what's wrong with me. So that's what makes me an awesome person. Like, I know what my faults are. I know what my issues are. And since I know them, I know how to deal with them. Same thing I was talking about with food and things like that and how my triggers. I, I know what's wrong with me. There's certain things I choose not to change. Most people in the world don't know what their issues or their problems are. They don't challenge themselves to understand it or to see it. They just live through and not thinking about it. And then when those things catch up to them, they just trigger them to do certain things. But if you know, hey, I like to kill rabbits. Well, guess what? I'm just not going to go around rabbits because if I go around a rabbit, I'm going to have to kill a rabbit. I just got to steer clear of rabbits. But if you don't okay. know what your rabbit trigger is, you might have pitfalls that trick you into doing things because most people, again, don't look at their own faults. They, they'll much rather help you with your issue. Like, hey, let's fix you and what you got going on. I'm going to give you advice on what you got going on. But everything I got going on, I'm going to, you know, my other thing is so people don't think I'm killing rabbits. One of my issues is... <laughs> I leave cabinet doors open. Okay. I don't know why I do it, but mm. if I cook, I just open up 10 cabinets. Now, this, uh, when I, my last long-term relationship, this would drive her crazy because occasionally you'd hear her walk in the room and he, she'd hit her head on a cabinet. And oh. it'd be like, why do you leave these cabinets open? I'm like, 
I, again, I don't know if it's like a thing when I was younger, we didn't have food. I was always looking at cabinets. There's nothing in there. I don't know what it is, but there's just something about cabinets that made me not want to close them. So now when I'm on my own, I do walk out of the room. Like if I walk in right now, I bet there's a cabinet open. I walk back in and I make sure I shut all of my cabinets just to try and get myself to do better. Um, so you got to take a look at things and try new things and analyze things and, and think about things outside of your own perspective. It's, it's good and it's healthy. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody's making a list like you're making lists because obviously you're a little bit more detail orientated than others, but uh, it, it is good to do. What's up with these glasses? I saw in your profile, I think it said glasses enthusiast. Oh, I just like glasses. It's random. Uh, you know, we ha- these are um, uh, a Japanese brand that I really like called Jins, uh, J-I-N-S, and there's a store in San Francisco now, but there's lots of stores in Japan. But now there's just they open one up in San Francisco, and uh, they make them right there. It takes 20 minutes, and they're super cheap. Like I think these are like 80 bucks or 90 bucks, like including the lenses. What? That's a good. Yeah, deal. it's great. And so basically, like you can walk in there, and for the price that you would pay for a normal like set of glasses, you can get like four or five or six of these. And so it just lets you be like. Your whole my your whole attitude towards glasses changes at that price point because you kind of they kind of become more like t-shirts you know or like yeah and something that you're only gonna have one of so you can you know you can get crazy ones and then uh, one of our best portfolio companies the general catalyst is warby parker uh and uh you know it's kind of the u.s version of this and a lot more advanced in many ways and they've got pretty inexpensive glasses huge selection so just kind of like it you know as a guy i don't get to wear a lot of like accessories i don't wear jewelry like don't wear makeup kind of need something to futz around with so i futz around with glasses i probably have like 20 pairs or something of all like pretty low-end cheap glasses that i change up not a watch guy you know I, I i kind of am uh i used to be uh more so uh ever since the apple watch came out i've kind of been like going back and forth between like wearing an apple watch and you know wearing like you know a real watch uh so you know, I've got an Apple Watch on this time, so it's kind of hard to be super creative with it. But I, I do like watches. I always kind of feel guilty about it. I always think that, like, fancy watches are, like, not something to be proud of. Like, it's sort of a, yeah, I don't feel, I don't feel great about it. Yeah. Uh, I, used to, I, used to, I used to be pretty big into watches, yeah. Maybe still am to some extent. Uh, same thing for me. I just, I ended up getting a really nice Movado at one point. And then I had like 10 other watches and I got to the point where I wasn't really wearing them. And I had this beautiful watch case and I'm like, I slowly started giving them away. Because I yeah. always like, I would wear my, my nicer watches out and be like, oh, that's a nice watch. I don't have a watch and I'd find a buddy to have a watch. Like, here, here, take a watch. And they still keep them, they still wear them. It's like a lot of my friends, it's their only watch. <laughs> you know, but um, I, I kind of slowly pulled myself out of that. I was like a watch junkie for a little while. And I'm like, I only need to wear like one watch, and even with the Apple Watch, now I'm not I'm not wearing anything right now because I have my phone on. But uh, the Apple Watch was the most consistent watch that I wore every day for a good stretch of time before even now I just start saying nah, I don't need it. But um, I would throw it back on. No LASIK. I recommend glasses as a inexpensive, you know, alternative to kind of satisfy that, you know, yeah. scratch that bit, wanting to get like lots of different things. And you could coordinate. Um, no LASIK for you. No, because uh, I'm waiting. Um, I'm waiting for them to like do something that actually gives me extra functionality. Like I don't want to get surgery and then just like wind up with just like as good as glasses because like I don't mind wearing glasses. In fact, they're kind of like eye protection too, so it's sort of a feature. Uh, <laughs> but I'm afraid that if I get LASIK, like 
five years from now, there's going to be a different procedure that gives you like X-ray vision, but they're going to be like, oh, sorry, you can't get it because you don't have like the original equipment. So when that, I can get like when I can get some kind of like new functionality, then I'm, I'm up for surgery. If it's just going to like make it the same as wearing glasses, then screw that. So again, for those listening or watching who didn't get to see Twit, uh, Phil is insane. He's got a data port injected in his body. We're going to talk about that in a second, but that's why he's talking crazy about this whole laser. Now, first of all, look, if they happen to in 10 years, at which point you'd be 55 and aging and you're not allowed to have laser beams, guys, anyway, you still got to give them a grace period before you just stick them in your eyes. You've got to let somebody else. I didn't get, I let my friend get LASIK. He had it for five years. I'm like, if you don't go blind in five years, I'm going to get it for myself. Fifth year anniversary. He still could see <laughs> it was, it was a, a, a fraction of the price by that time and then yeah. i got it and i tell you what it was the best thing i've ever gotten myself and i give myself a beautiful child i tell her every day like look i love you but not wearing glasses like you don't understand ha getting up and just walking out the door and not saying oh i forgot my glasses or getting hit in the face with a basketball you talk about eye protection and not having your glasses right up into your face is amazing um so as far as the protection is concerned yeah sure but at the same time, you also got to worry about them being a deadly weapon so close to your face if another projectile hits upon them in the right angle. But that is true. That's why Phil sounds crazy because Phil's crazy. You can't just in five, ten years, you still got to let somebody else progress and get it first. You can't just be dot. It's your eyes, man. It's your eyes. I mean, I'm going to let this data port stuff slide. That's injected in your body. I, 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 I'd get one of those injected in my eyes before I let somebody mess with my eyeballs because that's we need those. There's only one going on. But, you know, we got we got other stuff coming. So that, yeah. that's, I guess that's a good excuse for not getting it done. If you're going to get one surge, you might as well get it where you can do something useful, like look through walls. I, I think it's bullshit that it's 2017 and I still don't have any, like, real-time data projected into my retina. Like, that's just not right. So uh, sooner or later, it's going to happen. Uh, that's where my whole thing on this whole VR um, thing is. I'm like, look, Lawnmower Man promised me something 25 years ago, and I still have not even had delivery on what that is going forward. So, I mean, like, you know, can we get to some stuff where it's like, hey, that's cool. But speaking of that, you do have a port injected in your body. That's something futuristic. Um, so just explain real quick again where that, what that is and where it's from. You don't have to show it or anything, but just give me the rundown on it again. So it's it's a glucose monitor. Um, there's a uh, it's called the Abbott Freestyle Libre. It's not available in the U.S. yet, uh, but it's, it's approved in Europe. Uh, hopefully, it'll be coming to the U.S. soon. And it's just like a little uh, thing that you stick into your arm. It's got a very small needle, and then uh, you wear it for two weeks. I actually just took my off about an hour ago. I'm going to replace it as soon as I get a second one. And it uh, it just tells you a real time reading of your of your blood glucose, which is uh, super useful uh, for all sorts of things. Uh, the best thing about it is you can like eat an orange and actually like watch as your glucose goes up and then see how long it takes to go down. I, I'm not diabetic, so I don't need it medically. I'm just doing it to just kind of understand what's going on inside of my body. Uh, and the, the useful thing for me was actually seeing how my glucose response was pretty different by different types of food. So I could like eat an orange, my glucose would shoot up, but then but then within like you know an hour and a half or two hours, it'd be back down to like fasting state. But I had like a bowl of rice, it would go up the same amount, but then it would take like 12 hours or 24 hours to get back down so i think like it's pretty variable what types of foods have what effects it's probably different for me and from you and knowing that you can just be much more smarter about what you eat and how you eat and like your doctor is never going to tell you that stuff because they have no idea 
So I just I love this idea of having real time continuous monitoring and feedback, and hopefully soon I'll get it for all sorts of stuff, not just glucose. I want it for you know for everything. I could have guessed that if you would have asked me which one sustains you longer, an orange or rice, I would say, hey, they've been shipping rice to Africa for fifty years. It obviously does something for the body where it sticks around a little bit. I, I know I'm joking. Obviously, there's a lot more things to that, um, but it is very interesting to be able to measure those. If you were diabetic, um, yeah, which you know, me being a bigger guy, uh, for by some grace of God, I am yet to be classified as diabetic, but I'm sure it's coming like any week now. Um, well, I was definitely pre-diabetic um, before I started this fasting. Like I was, I wasn't diabetic, but my doctor was like about two years ago, I had, you know, I had tests and the doctor's like, look, everything is still kind of okay, but it's all heading in the wrong direction. And now it's everything is like solidly in the green. So it's like, it was a, complete reversal of it in in a few months by uh by fasting so i'm i'm so far you know seems to be pretty good but we'll see how it goes and you almost look like you did in high school so that's a bonus on top of bonuses by the way the device he was talking about to me it looks like um the size of a quarter it's white and think of like a thumbtack with something just short and needily sticking out that you stick yourself yep. and it's apparently safe and is okay and he tried to get uncle leo to get one and i would not allow it because I got to let you run out in the wild, Phil, for a while first. Make sure everything's cool. If you make it, like, I give it, like, a two-year lead. Like, if you make it and nothing crazy happens to you, then we're good. But Yeah. Well, if, I, haven't, I haven't tried going through airport security with it yet, so we'll see. The thing that I'm uh, talking about future tech, the thing I'm most interested in is um, they have this new heart. It's not been in anyone yet, but they've created it, and it pumps, and it's running on its own. And they're like, look, we made this heart, and we could put it in somebody. And I'm thinking, that's so much better than a pacemaker or whatever else. And, like, that's where I'm like, oh, look at technology. You know, if, the same thing, like, the way you're talking, I think to myself, if I could just make it 20 more years, I might be able to live forever because they could just keep stuff going or download my brain into something. Um, speaking of downloading my brain into something, you're a fan of AI? I am. Why? Uh, I think this could be, you know, humanity's lasting contribution to the universe is we, uh, we actually make something that's, uh, that's smarter than us, uh, let it go and, you know, explore the stars and, you know, bring the spark of life and intelligence to, to a cold and uncaring universe. I'm going to think AI in the long term is the, you know, the best thing we got going. So this, uh, what, how do I say this? this is my conspiracy theory on life. This is one of the many that I have. Um, I love that you laughed before I even said it, but listen to me. <laughs> so what if we are someone's AI creation and we've done what we think AI would do? Some of us are cool, but the rest of us are just trying to fuck up the planet and destroy everything we have because we were these machines, blood pumping, brain. We can manifest and create ourselves, free thinking, all this kind of stuff. But essentially, the body is a machine. What if we are the perfect AI as you know, when you make an Android, the next thing to do is to have it be, see what I'm saying? So what if we're somebody's AI and we already done messed up and now we're trying to make a new AI just to mess up again? Yeah, I mean, look, I think actually there's a really good point to what you just said, which is the, you know, the, the, the A, the artificial doesn't really make any sense. There's nothing artificial about it. It's really just intelligence. So, you know, we're intelligent and there's no reason to think that there couldn't be other stuff that's intelligent or even more intelligent and it isn't any more artificial than we are. Uh, I think that's that's actually pretty interesting. But look, you know, you know me well enough by now. Like I am generally an optimist about stuff. 
uh, and uh, I think that uh, there's obviously lots of you know lots of dangers. Uh, we need to overcome them, but I think making things smarter, um, you know, is a great thing. It has a huge potential to to move the world forward. So I'm I'm a big fan, although I recognize that we need to be uh, very thoughtful about how we how we use it. Um, though I always tell you no, it seems I am very appreciative of your optimism. It's one of the reasons, like I really want to talk to you because, again, when and when you tell me stories, I like to bounce things off and relate them um, to things that are going on. Just today, I was talking to my aunt and the mother of my child about not letting my daughter walk home from school, and uh-huh. they keep saying people are crazy nowadays. They're going to kidnap the kid. All all these things. And I'm like, it's a walking district. Two hundred kids walk out of that school every day younger than her, a little older than her. They walk home. They get home. They're okay. And she's in a position where she lives four blocks from the school. She walks out from the school, sees a crossing guard, turns, crossing guard, turns, crossing guard, home. Within between her home, there's two crossing guards. I'm like, so you have to give her a chance to learn to do things on her own so she can have responsibility, she can build confidence, so she can learn to do things and trust in herself and just explore and knowledge that you're, I was like, you, oh, well, you know the world. I'm like, I know the world's bad. But guess what? Somebody could break in your house in the middle of the night and rob you and, and do something to you. You know, a plane could fall out of the sky. Like, the world has things. So I am fully on board with optimism. I am just, um, I'm very ethnic and black in my optimism as to where I don't trust a whole lot of stuff. And I need somebody else to do it first before I jump on board in the full optimism. Yeah. But, but look, I mean, the world was worse you know, when we were growing up, right? Yeah, uh, that's what I keep saying. And they, they say it's worse. Than, I'm like, today we didn't have cell phones where I could track or step every step of the way home. Like, we didn't have anything growing up, you know? Kids were jumping off of buildings, not wearing a helmet. Now it's mandatory you got to wear a helmet. Like, we survived. <laughs> we survived. Yeah. I mean, so like, you know, I, like I, said, I grew up in the Bronx in, in Parkchester, kind of central Bronx in the mid-80s. And it was bad. I mean, it was very high crime rates, much worse than right now. Uh, I you know, I took the subway and the bus back from school and walked all over the place. Like, I'm not saying that was super safe, but that's what everyone did. That, and, uh, and that's the thing. That's what everyone did. Far safer right now. Yeah. Far safer, yeah. So you have to have the opportunity to do it. Um, are you a music guy? Uh, you know, I've got weird taste in music. Uh, I tend to, like, fixate on something and then, like, listen to it over and over again for, like, you know, thousands of times until I can't stand it anymore. So, uh, yeah, I have weird weird and different tastes but my parents are both classical musicians um but i guess it like skips a generation or something because i have no no musical ability i don't need your musical ability but you can't just say you have weird obscure taste and then not give me said example of said taste so give me two songs two artists two something give me something well i listened to uh the dwarves singing misty mountain cold from the hobbit soundtrack for about six months straight over and over and over. I had to make sure to turn off all the social features of Spotify because I'm like, I don't need anyone to know that. I don't need any of my friends to like see how many times I'm listening to Misty Mountain Cold by the Dwarf Ensemble from The Hobbit. Uh, so, you know, that's one. And then uh, lately I've been really grooving to the uh, the uh, the soundtrack from Portal 2. Uh, so I guess I like video game music. I, I like weird stuff. Um, I'm not... What, what video game system is your preferred method? Well, um, you know, iPhone and, and PS4. Um, so, you know, if I'm at home, PS4. You know, I, I got the PlayStation VR recently. It's pretty fun. Uh, and then, you know, moving around, I, I you know, on the iPhone. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of embarrassed. I, I sort of kind of got addicted to Clash Royale, which I never thought I would because I'm not a 14-year-old kid. Uh, but, yeah, I've spent more time playing that than I, than I wanted. 
um, then we'll have to friend up on PS4. And I'm in the same boat as far as the PlayStation and my phone. I, I get mad at myself sometimes because I'm not playing my PlayStation as much as I feel that I should. But it, it's like it's like one of those guilty things. Where, guilty you, man. It, it, not, it, it really does. It looks at me and it's like, you don't want me anymore. And I'm like, I do. I do. Um, you know, thankfully, I have a child that gets me in the groove of doing that sometimes where I have to get, you know, on the game. But, I, you know, obviously time and being an adult, things change. But even still, some of these stories... Are great. The games, some of these games now, the stories are so amazing. It's like yeah. playing a movie instead of just watching a movie. You're you're Have a you part of Inside. It. Yes. S four. Yes. Oh, I, mean, I just finished Inside. That blew my mind. It's like the best game ever. Like it's so it's so good. It's so real. Like you just like this is amazing. And then to think again, just I riff off on that. The things that people come up with creatively never ceases to amaze me. Yeah. Um, it's it's just nice. That's why I'm glad you like some kind of music because I was fearing for a second that you were going to tell me that you didn't like any kind of music, to which point I could never meet you in person because I've got something against people that don't like music. I've only met three of them, but I assume they've killed thousands of people. Like, if you don't like... I don't, I don't care if you like mega death metal or your country music. You have to listen to some kind of music. It's the most universal thing in the world, you know, Um more than sex, more than love, more than anything. Like music is a rhythm and a beat. You can put somebody in a jungle, they'll dance to a beat. You old person, they'll start being happy. A baby, it'll make them smile. Like music is just it as far as it spans, and we won't make fun of you for your odd and or weird choices. Um, Thank you. I, you see, I'm a good person. I care about you, Phil. I don't want people to talk about you in these streets. I'm sure you had a rough time in uh, high school for a couple of times there before you got to Nerdville. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> not not super easy. So we're almost uh, up on time to get out of here. So let me ask you a couple of general questions. What's your favorite color? Gray. Gray? Yeah. That's a that's a good color. I like my favorite color is black or blue, um, and white. So gray is a good color. I wear too much gray. I'm told. So I try to make colors happen. I wear pink. I like and purple to be about sixty percent gray at any given time. It's like my my palette of choice. Um. Favorite place to go, visit, travel? Well, Japan, definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, love Japan. Haven't been in a year and a half, and I'm totally going through withdrawal. I think I'm going next month, so I'm, like, kind of getting antsy, like, planning all the stuff I'm going to do. Yeah, just love Japan. If, wait, let me ask you this question first before I ask a question. So, are you investing in Uber at all? No. Okay. The general concept of Uber that drives me crazy, I don't know why this popped in my brain because I meant to talk to you about it earlier, is that I love the fact that a company has a direction and a plan and a goal, but I also dislike that direction, plan, and a goal, even though it makes sense to me. So I I like saying it to other people that are in the bubble, that are in the know. It drives me crazy that a company says, hey, come drive with us. Don't worry about it, but we're trying to buy all these automated cars so that we can have them go drive people themselves. So they're yeah. using people to build up the business to give it the platform that it needs just so that it can, at some point, replace all those people. And I have the biggest conflict of just like, I love it and I just don't want to ever use it. And I, that's the one thing that, as far as the future is concerned, that's what I was saying about education on Twit. It drives me crazy because it's, it's, it's a bad thing. You're going to replace people's jobs with these cars that don't need people. At yeah. the same time, I try to tell you, like, 
but you also need to, somebody needs to fix the systems and build the systems and work on the cars. Even if you're a mechanic, there's, that's the one thing we, we don't do enough of. We don't teach kids, hey, it's good to be a plumber, a mechanic, have a technical skill because people still need those things. But when you look at something like that with a company, do you look at that moral gray area and say that's good or bad or do you say it is what it is? Yeah, I, I really do try to look at the moral gray area. I'm only interested in, in, in investing and building things that, uh, you know, where I want to live in a world where those things are successful, where I prefer that world to the current world. Um, and, uh, you know, Uber, so I used to be uh, a really big fan of self-driving cars and automation. I was very excited about it. I thought, um, you know, driving sucks. People are really bad at it. You'll save so many lives and so many injuries if you just get rid of the people drivers because we, we suck at it. It's kind of shocking yeah. that we're allowed. I, I agree. Um, so I was a huge fan of automation in general. And honestly, um, it was really the election that, that changed my mind. Like ever since the election, I've been having a lot of second thoughts about how fast we ought to be rushing towards automation. Exactly because I, 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 what I'm kind of thinking now is like, you know, getting rid of people's jobs. Like it's easy to say, yeah, we'll have like universal basic income or something and give people money. Like I can see how that would work. But I honestly think the much harder question is, like, how do you give people dignity? How do you give people meaning? How do you give and, them drive? Uh, yeah. Because uh, it, I don't know anymore. It, it's, it's one of those things where, again, I've had those kind of discussions and thoughts. I'm thinking, well, yeah, they test that out in those places. But we need – even if you said, okay, everybody's got $500 and that $500 equals a million, whatever it is. But at yeah. some point, someone's going to say, I, w- I was working really hard. I, I earned X dollar amount. I want to buy this or I want to do that. It's nature in us to want more if we can work harder or provide for ourselves more than just say, oh, well, here, take this. This is your stipend. And I, I don't know where we go as people with that kind of refuge, even though, again, it sounds good. Like, oh, we're going to do this and take care of people. OK, but what about the human drive that the things you were yeah. saying that pushes us to want? You know, even if it's not just greed, it's just some people work till they're 70 years old and as I soon as they great. stop. Yeah, I think it's dignity. I think like the future of work is the future of dignity. Like, what are we going to do to make people feel like they have meaning and purpose and dignity in life? And right now, work is what like sort of substitutes for that kind of poorly, but does get rid of that. We need we need to find something to replace it with. Like, I think that's a very deep question. Very deep question, which um, we generally have the answer to, but we don't have the time to tell you. So unfortunately, you're going to have to suffer through that uh, and wonder what we might say and or catch us in the street. I'm sure Phil would be glad to take five minutes to explain to you the wonders of the world and open up the universe to you. Um, Absolutely. Is, is there anything besides your Twitter that you would like me to plug for you, Phil? No, I'm you know, not really. Uh, I got nothing to promote at this point. I, I love that Phil's uh, like that because it's like me. I'm the worst self-promoter myself, but you can find Phil on the internet. And when Phil does something that's amazing or important, I'll probably share it just like I did the fridge uh, with the two-sided doors open because I tell you what, it blew my freaking mind the other day. I was so excited over a stupid gif of a fridge opening from both sides and or ends. Um, this has been Doc Tales. I'm your boy with JJ Stone, a.k.a. Doctor. You can find the podcast at IQMZ.com. I'm on the internet as Doctor. Phil's on the internet as Phil. If you look for Phil, you'll probably find other ones, but it's okay because this Phil's my Phil, and you can look through me to find Phil. Uh, if you have any change or money and you want to throw it at me, you could throw it at my Patreon. If you're broke, it's okay. Just hit the subscribe button on YouTube. I understand people don't have any money because Phil hasn't given out the idea of how everybody gets a basic income yet. So until then, just hit the free subscribe button 
chatting, and then you're helping me, and I'm helping you. Have a great night. I love and miss you all. Even if I haven't met you, Phil's waving bye. He misses you too. Say bye, Phil. Bye. We're out.